from Relay FM, this is Virtual Episode Number 38. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only, the watch adorned Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm just looking at the time on my watch. It's so nice to yeah. be able to look at the time on your wrist, you know? I have so many questions about the Apple Watch for you, but I have to save them. We we will talk about um, Apple Watch games from my perspective next week because I'm in the process of like going to the Apple Watch App Store and I want to download the games that you mentioned, maybe check on a few new ones. Um, so yeah, I'm downloading all the stuff, basically, mm-hmm. and it's quite a, a problem because the... the, the home screen is kind of difficult to set up so i have all these icon these icons going around it's like a sea of icons and but yes uh i do have an apple watch i'm wearing a watch after like a decade maybe more uh so <laughs> it is strange to have this thing right here uh but um I, as far as virtual is concerned i do want to download a few games and see if it makes sense or if it's totally stupid or if maybe there's a few good ones and the other ones are better on the iphone i don't know we'll see as a quick update for you um Mm -hmm. i currently have no games installed on my watch yeah thought so 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 even even the the trivia one i got rid of trivia crack because they sent me a push notification saying we haven't seen you in the game for a while no no yep don't do that that's that's the 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 quick road to deletion (laughs) my friend yes that's the, the death sentence of an app it's, we haven't seen you in a while. Notification. <laughs> there's a reason, and now there's a bigger reason. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm sorry, Mike. It looked like a fun game. What was the name of the other one? Uh, the one with the with the cat and the, and the oh, cookies? the cookie tap. Cookie mini, tap. Mini, mini cookie tap or something like that? Mini cookie tap. What happened to mini cookie tap? Oh, that went, that went a lot quicker. <laughs> no more cookies for you. No, no more cookies. I'm sorry. Mike, do we have any follow-up? We most certainly do. This is a follow-up that comes in two parts. So first off, Elliot wrote in to us to tell to tell us that he had actually done some work with the Oculus running on the Mac, right? Because remember we were talking about it yep. didn't seem like, or there was no information about there being a uh, uh, a Mac version of the Oculus software. Mm. Um and I'll include a link in the show notes to uh, the release notes for version 0.4.1 of the Oculus SDK, which included uh, OS X support in the SDK at that point. Mm. Um, and so he'd done some work with it and found that it didn't actually perform very well. Um, you know, like most gaming on the Mac, really, like yeah. Macs tend not to be best tuned for intensive PC gaming, and the Oculus is no. Uh, no different for that. It did work, but not very well. And then, just before uh, today's show, Stephen sent me a link that Oculus have announced their hardware specifications for the Rift. Oh, um, that's today. Yeah, actually. today. And along okay. with that comes the news that they are pausing Mac development. <laughs> what a surprise. With no timeline on when it will be available. Uh, because the PC specs are heavy. So, the recommended requirement is an nvidia gtx 970 or an amd 290 i don't know what that means but i assume beefy graphics card intel i5 or greater okay and eight gigabytes of ram um, man eight gigs yeah oh. yep it's quite a bit yep so it's uh 
heavy. It's heavy on the system. So obviously the the Mac isn't doing a good, good job of supporting it, and Linux as well. So they've actually just said they don't have a timeline on when it will be available for either of those platforms. So I would be surprised if we saw it in in any sort of like good timeline. To be honest, I think it's going to be but- quite a while. Especially because if you want to have these kinds of specs, uh, there's a lot of people who tend to buy, you know, individual components and then they make their own gaming PC. Whereas you can make a Hackintosh uh, with the same concept. You buy the components and you install OS X, but then you end up with, you know, all sorts of limitations and problems. And so it's easier to just, if you're you're really dedicated to the cause of of a gaming PC, just buy the off the shelf parts and make your own and you can save a bit of money whereas if you want to buy a mac uh it's quite expensive and so i i understand why uh there have always been issues with gaming on the mac it's quite sad for people like me and you that you know you would need this kind of pc so it's kind of it kind of precludes uh people uh, like us from easily getting into the oculus rift uh gaming scene I'm still hoping that one day there will be like a single box that you can buy and it's like, okay, give us, I don't know, 400 euros and you can play Oculus stuff. People and it's will like make a PC, those, I don't care. Just don't let me uh, worry about the specifications, you know? People are definitely going to make those. Like, it's like without a, a shadow idea, of a doubt. It's like the idea of the Steam box, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you would have like a baseline of uh, requirements and the OS... And then you can buy. It's not a terrible idea uh, if you if you don't understand PCs, which is my main problem. I don't understand what I need to do. What is an AMD graphic card? Whatever, I don't understand. I I only from the specifications that you sent me. I only know what RAM is, and even at that point, I'm not sure how much it costs and what model of RAM is better. Sure. I just I don't know. I'm used to the idea of a device you buy and it, there's that. Yeah. So same with the consoles because it, you know. You just get what you get. You. Yeah, I just get the console and I play video games. Yep. Just easier. But yeah, I but think yeah, people thanks, will uh... sell these little small boxes, you know, that you'll buy and, and it will be for the Oculus. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then just as a, a, an aside for that, I don't know how useful this is going to be now, but because, you know, it's looking at those hardware specifications, but, but uh, Jack and Daniel on Twitter pointed out that if I sign up or you sign up for the Windows beta, which they call the Insider Program for Windows 10. You get Windows 10 for free at the end of it. I just love that this feedback was sent from Jack and Daniel. Oh, yeah, yeah. look at that. <laughs> and you, you do need a bit of that when you use Windows. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> no, thank you, Jack and Daniel. For... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Poor Windows. I'm sure it's very No, nice. no, it's true. There's a lot of... There's a lot of uh... <laughs> I, I don't want to poke fun at Microsoft. There's a lot of interesting stuff in Windows 10. I do mm-hmm. like the direction. Yep. I'm kind of surprised to see that they're bringing back the Windows Mobile name. Uh, did you see the news yesterday that Windows Phone is Windows Mobile again? Yeah, like I did the branding? see that. Yeah, I did see that. It's kind of, you know, blast from the past <laughs> in a way. Uh, but yes. So, Mike, why don't you sign up for the beta and you get Windows 10 for free? Then you can go to your nearest uh, computer shop and you buy a few a few parts. You assemble a PC for gaming and then you buy the Oculus. 
I, I kind of feel like I don't want then to you, do that. And then you start a Windows show. See, uh, I, no, I have whole no. timelines catch up for you. No, this is not happening. <laughs> why Why won't Why won't you make a, a, a Windows uh, show with uh, Jack and Daniel? Why don't we move into some interesting links How yes. about that? That's a good idea, I think. That's a good idea. So uh, Anita Sarkeesian... Um, as a new video for her uh, feminist frequency, uh, would you say serious or channel? Um, Is the channel called feminist frequency? I think so. I think so. It's a, it's a web series, so I'm yeah, just going to say it that. Yeah, it is. It is called that. The channel is called that. Yeah. So on why Jade from Beyond Good and Evil is uh, makes for a good uh, makes for a good character, especially makes for a good female character in in, in video games. So Anita has been trying to highlight uh, after the uh, women and tropes in in video game uh, in video game series is trying to kind of highlight good examples of women uh, as characters in video games, and Jade from this game that originally came out in on PlayStation 2, I think about 10 years ago at least. And she makes for uh, a good example because she's a strong, independent woman and other characters in the game trust her to be able to to take care of herself, to be able to kind of, you know, fight her way out of specific situations. And more importantly, she's driven by very human and understandable motivations. And... I do remember looking at Beyond Good and Evil when I was younger. I've always wanted to play the game. For some reason, I never managed to track down a copy of the game. There was a few months ago that I kind of, on, on one of those nights where I'm like, I need to spend some money on video games. So I go to Steam and I think I found a, a, a digital copy of Beyond Good and Evil, but then I needed to install it on my Mac and there was a few problems with the hardware. So... I've always wanted to play Beyond Good and Evil. I've always been fascinated by the graphics and the idea of, you know, Jade as a character. And so this video by by Anita Sarkeesian kind of is is put me back in a in a I need to play Beyond Good and Evil mood. So I think it'll definitely happen at some point. There was a rumor of a sequel on PlayStation 3 many years ago and never happened. There's a trailer if you look around on YouTube of the the sequel. I've always been fascinated by I think Beyond Good and Evil is a creation of... Um, this is French, so I'm not sure how I'm, I'm supposed to say it. Mike, Michael or Mi- Michel, I don't know how you say that in French. Ansel, you know, the creator of... The, the guy who worked on Rayman also did Beyond Good and Evil yep. uh, back at the Ubisoft days. So yeah, Beyond Good and Evil, Jade. Good character, good good video game design. Mike... Yes, sir. Let's change topics a bit. You okay. can play Pokemon in Minecraft. What? <laughs> Would you want to play Pokemon in Minecraft? Sure, why don't I know about that? There's this? people who, who manage to kind of... Oh, my God, look at these yes, things. Look at the video. This is <laughs> so, amazing. This is a whole system. They, they figure out a way to... So they have the Pokeballs, and you can... You know, summon Pokemon on the screen. They can, they can, they have moves. There's a special effects, and there's all there's all kinds of Pokemon that you can use in, in Minecraft. There's a if you watch the video uh, on Kotaku, the first one, there's a, a specific example of using Pokemon uh, as kind of living tools in Minecraft. So you can use Jack uh, Duck Trio to 
you know, to dig in Minecraft. But at high uh, speed and with great effect, rather uh, than just yes, using a shovel. Yes. And the worst part is, I believe these people used a combination of real sound effects imported from the Pokemon games, and for a few Pokemon, they actually recorded their own voices. So... <laughs> If you if you take a look at the Jack Trio example, there's a voice that just says trio 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 <laughs> as, a, as a sound effect, which is insane. It's 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 both weird and amazing, as most you know custom creations in Minecraft. Um, so this is just to highlight how amazing. people have too much time on their hands. But that's not a that's not a negative aspect. That's the best part of Minecraft. And so they look so good though. They look so good, that the, like the moves are on point and the animations are perfect. And I mean, for being Minecraft, of course. And actually, I think there's also people who fight with Pokemon in Minecraft against each other. So they also managed to kind of made a multiplayer, to kind of make a multiplayer component. Uh, insane. Awesome. Uh, there's a go check out Kotaku for the videos. Um, that is spectacular. That is just great work. Impressive work. Yeah, yes. that's really awesome. Like uh, I always, I'm always fascinated by the, uh, you know, every once in a while you see like people make like huge cities or like there's the guy who made the Harry Potter castle in Minecraft. There's the guy who made like I don't know like ancient Rome in Minecraft, and that's awesome because like the scale of the of what they constructed was amazing <laughs> making pokemon that move and that have you know special effects and stuff that's impressive really impressive um so mike i don't know if you if you if you've seen this uh, over the past few days but castlevania creator uh, koji garashi uh unsurprisingly launched a kickstarter campaign yeah i saw this so the guy left konami uh, a few months ago and when he announced, I think it was last year, actually, maybe right after or before E3, I don't remember. So when he, when he did leave Konami, uh, a lot of people said, OK, he's going to launch a Kickstarter campaign. And sure enough, uh, there's a new he's working on a new game called uh, Bloodstained uh, Ritual of the Night. And it's a it's a it's a Iga Vania game. So this is a combination of his last name and the the, the Castlevania kind of Metroidvania um, subgenre that has a kind of became become popular over the past few years. It looks like a modern Castlevania game. It raised two million dollars in just a few days. And what's different is that this dollars are not being used to fund the game they're just being used to prove to other publishers that uh, Igarashi and team found that there's a demand for this kind of game so it so just what are they going to do with the money then uh, they're going to they're going to use it i think i've missed this part what's, uh, there's what different tiers of support right like you can what? you can buy already yeah, it's it's kind of weird for being a Kickstarter project because he says we already managed to you know to to have to to find publishers who want to publish the game and like ninety percent of our fans are kind of uh, frozen by the publishers because we need to show them that there's people out there who would buy this game. 
So if we are successful in this campaign, mm. they will give us the funds to okay. make the game. Okay, you know? I kind of get that, but... Kind of different idea. I feel like for... they didn't need to do a Kickstarter then, but sure, I, I understand the idea, but it seems a bit weird. I, I, I get it though, right? Because yeah, there's yeah, people because... actually giving their money. Yeah, there's people giving them money, like big money, and they're like, yeah, but show us that there's people out there who... But I mean, besides the tweets, thing is, though, besides like... Twitter, that they will give you money before. The, the thing is, yeah. that's only 25,000 people, which is... Yes. That's not enough for, like, a video game. <laughs> like, a big video game with a publisher, they sell hundreds of thousands of copies, right? I don't yeah, understand. Well, I don't, I don't either they, they did their, uh, their calculations wrong when they kind of assumed what kind of pledge people would make, or even at five hundred thousand dollars those are enough for the publisher i don't know because maybe more people are buying the low level pledge than they expected like the digital copy or you know no the five dollar there's not there's just a few people but the digital copy there's like about ten thousand backers yeah i don't know or maybe it's just enough maybe it was just show us that you can get to a half a million dollars and we'll give you money yeah, sure. I mean, that kind of makes sense. I guess it's just really yeah. weird. Yeah. Anyway, That's the really game, weird. the game. There's, there's no uh, real footage so far. It's just a uh, concept art and so like mockups and stuff. Um, it looks, I, I guess, it looks good for being a concept. Of course, we'll have to to see the the the, the real footage. And um, I I wanted to use this to make a few considerations up on these. Uh, you know, trend of all these old uh, video game designers, kind of very popular back in the day, who are then who are now struggling to live inside these Japanese corporations, who are also struggling to adapt to the new mobile era. So they are living and they're making their own Kickstarter games, and I totally understand the motivation, and I totally understand why uh, you are more. Like you want to make the game that you know how you to make, you know? So there's the Mega Man developer who left Capcom to make to make its own Mega Man-like video game on Kickstarter. And Igarashi is making, uh, of course, another Castlevania-like game. But isn't that also kind of sad that these people like are always stuck making the same type yeah. of game? They like instead... relive in the glory days. Yeah. And it's you're like part using of the reason that the, the, the companies aren't doing so well because the people that are inside of them just want to continue making the same games they've always made. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, I, I, again, I understand why you're doing this because maybe, in, in, you know, in your professional life, you you feel more specialized to do one type of thing and when you leave the big company, you still want to do that thing. So it makes sense. But it's also kind of sad when you look at a, like, the, it's not like a specific uh, critic of Igarashi or Inafune, the, who is working on uh, the, the, the Mega Man-like game, which name I don't remember. Um, it's not a, a, a specific critic. It's just a, a, if you look at the, at the broader landscape of all these old video, popular video game designers, they're still doing the same game over and over, which from, uh, f- from the outside is kind of sad. Because they they could be trying something new and maybe risk a bit more, and instead this move kind of feels to play it safe, you know, 
because people know me for the Castlevania game, go to Kickstarter, raise a bunch of million of dollars, and make that game. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, you can make the same critic maybe to to um, Laylee and and uh, Yuka and Laylee <laughs> that we <laughs> talked about last week. I don't know. I just feel like I, I would want to see more of these people who have been around for a long time kind of be more crazy enough to try something new. But maybe I'm just too idealistic to to believe that. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna tell you, Mike. If uh, whatever happens with uh, Hideo Kojima and Konami is gonna be on Kickstarter in 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 less than two years, man needs to just go away and never come back. <laughs> I have after his performance right on yes, well, after his oh yes, Sadiar, it's a mighty number one, number nine, the uh, Mega Man like game. But yes, Kojima is problematic figure, and I didn't like is. Uh, you know his tweet this week about the action figure uh, of Metal Gear Solid with the with the uh, with the, uh, with the soft with the soft breast material. Yeah. I, I I found that to be very uh, sexist and offensive personally, mm-hmm. and just in poor taste. In poor taste, you know. Why would you tweet that? Uh, we live in 2015. Why? I don't know. Uh, I feel like there's a cultural problem here, uh, difference between the West and Japan. Maybe there's people who find that type of action figure actually funny or, I don't know, realistic in a, in a fun way. I don't get it. Uh, anyway, I think Kojima is going to be on Kickstarter. We'll see. Again, I like this, the, this section of the show because it lets me talk about a bunch of stuff, share a bunch of thoughts, and then move on. Mm-hmm. I do. I like this mechanic. I I like mechanic. <laughs> I like it too. So we've been keeping an eye on uh, Mike Bethel's uh, volume uh-huh. game for a while. He's still working on it. He's been actually very proactive on Twitter. He's always sharing like screenshots and videos of uh, the improvements that he's making. And I, I I am fascinated by this kind of open approach to game development, showing people what you're actually doing. It's it's interesting. Anyway, he has a, a blog post on the PlayStation blog this week, and it's is a uh, it, to show the level editor that they're uh, they're making for volume, and it looks really really good. If you take a look at the video, they went. He says that they went through many many iterations to make the level editing as quick and fast, but also kind of powerful as possible. And this is exactly my problem with most games that offer a level editor. They always feel so clunky and so complicated that I may just you know just give me a level, just let me play a level. I don't have the time to make a level myself. And instead, in volume, it seems like it's super easy. You can just use the stick to lay down, you know, walls and rooms. And you can easily put down obstacles and and guards that you can avoid later. And you can use every item, structure, enemy from the game. You can make your own levels. You can share them. And here is the interesting part. If you want... You can play the entire campaign, so the campaign is, you know, the story, the actual story with the dialogue and stuff, using maps from you or from other people. That's clever, because it's not like other games that they uh, they force you to play the campaign with the levels made by the game designers. If you want, you can play the same story, just with the different levels from you or other people That's that you really found online. That's interesting, and I'm curious because, again, as I've said many times, I'm not a stealth uh, game type of guy, but I think I changed my mind with The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe volume. I I do like Mike Beetle as a as a person on the internet. I guess uh, I don't know the guy. I just figure, you know when you just like somebody, that's the well, same. Well, yeah, because I do too. So yeah, just I feel like I I like the guy, uh, and I do like what he, what he's been working on with volume. There's no release date yet. There's going to be I think an announcement at E3, which is in about a month. So. We, we got to start doing our pre-E3 uh, exciting uh, coverage, Mike. Yeah. I don't even know what to think about. We're going to talk yeah. about Nintendo today. We are going to talk about Nintendo today, but first I got, I got two, more, two more links. Okay. So I just mentioned The Last of Us. And this is something, actually, that I wanted to share last week and then I forgot. So Grant... Oh, man, I... How do you say this? Grant <laughs> So his last name is kind of difficult. Vogtle? 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 Anyway. Maybe he's Austrian <laughs> or German. Fichtle. Anyway, this person on Earth uh, had the idea of turning The Last of Us into a cinematic experience, kind of like a TV show um, with episodes. So he combined um, the, the 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 you know the, the the videos from the Last of Us, like the cutscenes. I couldn't say cutscenes for some reason. So he combined the cutscenes the cutscenes from the Last of Us with uh, gameplay sessions to make like a Last of Us TV show that you can watch on YouTube. And it's a it's a great idea to show what The Last of Us is about to someone who doesn't want to play the game or doesn't have the time or resources to play the game. It is kind of interesting from a, from a copyright perspective, but I guess that at this point with all the Let's Play videos on YouTube, uh, some companies just don't care anymore. It's and just too difficult. Like, And, and also it's, that can actually be good for the game. Yeah, yeah because... If you maybe you take a look at the videos, you're like, oh, this game is actually good. I want to play the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it is an interesting idea, especially when you when you consider all the culture, uh, the entire culture of like user generated content, remixing, you know, stuff online and, and produce something new. So it is a there's a there's an article on polygon with all the links that you need to check out so go watch the videos because it is, it is interesting the last link mike is uh this is something that i will try with you so i will gather a bunch of friends of mine we will fly to london we will come to your house and we will blindfold you hmm. Then, no, no, don't be pleased. <laughs> then we will uh, put an iPhone in your hand and we will use my iPad and we will play Century, which is this upcoming game where uh, it's a local multiplayer experiment. Use an iPhone and an iPad. Uh, the hero is blindfolded and his friends are, you know... Uh, behind him usually or like in the same room and you're burning from the and you can see anything you can just hold your iphone as a flashlight and on the ipad we see uh the the the, the actual game so you are a character a character who needs to go around with his flashlight i presume you need to avoid enemies and explore and we give you directions to move and avoid you know death and enemies and 
and you need to trust us. So that's a very interesting concept. Make sure to take a look at the, at the video because, you know, what I, what I just uh, explained to my can sound a bit weird and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, dangerous, but it looks to be really fun. And it's this type of like dual screen, local multiplayer experiment that I, I, I think this is the stuff that Nintendo should be, should be trying with the Wii U, with the uh, 3DS. And instead, this will happen on the iPhone and on the iPad, of course, with local multiplayer. Interesting, interesting idea. I'm looking at the video now. Yeah, I didn't want to scare you with the, with the blindfold. And, it was a bit know. scary. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. My my friends are nice are nice people, Mike. I'm sure. I just didn't know why you were traveling all the way to London to blindfold me. Yeah, I just I just felt like uh you you would like the idea. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> are you still watching the video? I'm finished now. Mm. Yeah, I think it would be nice to like, you know, shout commands give instructions and the other person cannot see they just have this iphone i don't know i think it's interesting and i do like i do like the local multiplayer because yeah. it's it's nicer and there's no pressure and you play with people that you know instead of playing call of duty online with people who say not nice things at you so uh-huh no it's a good idea it's a good idea it's a nice implementation of using two devices like that like yeah. actually using them together. It's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I do want to talk about an an, an iPhone game really quickly with you today. Okay. Before we do, do you want to take a break? Yeah, this uh, week's episode is brought to you by Harry's. For many of us, shaming can be a difficult thing. It's just something that is when I say difficult, it's because, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to do. It's not always something you want to do, you know? Like, it can be a pain to shave every day or every week or however often you shave. And, you know, all the places that people shave can be uncomfortable. It can cause nicks and cuts and scrapes and razor burn. And also, razor blades can be expensive. So, you know, what you want to do is basically take as much pain and problems as you can out of shaving to make the experience just nicer. And this is what Harry's does, because they take away a lot of the expense for you, right? On average, an everyday shaver who uses Harry's saves $150 a year when compared to, like, the big brand blades. Um, when I talk about the pain and stuff like that that it can cause, Harry's makes their own blades, that, and they ensure that they're high quality, they're high performing. They come from a factory that they own, um, which is located in Germany. And one of the reasons that it's good, because, you know, the, the blades are not only great quality, but because you're saving money, you can change the blades more frequently, which leads to a better shave overall. And also, like, Harry's stuff looks nice. So, you know, you can, you can kind of feel cool when you're shaving rather than feeling like you're shaving with something like out of a Transformers movie or something like that, you know, that you can see from these other brands. And they've got all these, like, crazy accents to them and these like little bits that stick out the side and you know they've got super long names and they're all kind of intimidating and peculiar looking this is you know harry's have a really nice retro cool feel to them that i like quite a lot they're very simple the colors are nice i really like the harry's sets they're, they're very nice i like them and you can get yourself a kit 
from Harry's for just a fantastic price. They ship for free to your front doorstep, always, with all of their products. They just have free shipping, which is fantastic. You don't have to end up paying a ton more for that. And their starter set, which will get you one of their razors, their moisturizing shave cream or firming shave gel, and three razor blades is just $15. And I have a code that I can give you in a bit, which means you can get that for $10 if you're a new customer for Harry's. Um, I love the way their products smell. They have a really nice smell to them. They're not like offensive. They're not like overly fragranced in my opinion and I think they smell really great they're very fresh smelling um, you know, look at eucalyptus-y smells and stuff like that in there it's very nice I like their moisturizer product they have a great aftershave moisturizer keeps my skin feeling good um, I use Harry's Blades to keep myself looking nice and sharp you know, I, I keep a beard, but you, I use a, a razor blade to keep the the surrounding areas, you know, nice nice and sharp and, and good looking. Um, and in my opinion, Harry's blades are as good, if not better, than anything that I've used before. And they're just a fraction of the price cheaper than their competitors. You can experience a clean, close and comfortable shave of your own with Harry's today. Go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. And you want to use the code virtual. It's going to get you $5 off of your first purchase. That's harrys.com. And virtual is the code that you need. Thank you so much to Harry's for sponsoring this week's episode. You can start shaving better today with Harry's. So, um, so Federico, uh, Nintendo announced their E3 plans, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, with the video, with the video, <laughs> and video is good. Co- the video is good. Video is good, and and actually, what. What I want to talk about before the video is that they totally trolled us on Twitter, especially Bill Trinan. He, <laughs> so in the video, he at the end there's Reggie and and he fires uh, Bill Trinan. He's uh, joking, of course, but there's the video, and I think that Trinan wanted to kind of joke on Twitter that he was fired by Nintendo. And I don't know if he was trolling or if he... I think he, he did it too early. He did it too early because he got the time of the, the embargo of the video wrong. So for like 20 minutes, uh, people, including me, we kind of freaked out that Bill Trinan was leaving Nintendo. <laughs> I actually think they then ended up releasing the video early. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think it was early because it was meant to be like 9 Pacific and it was definitely before 9 Pacific that the video went up. So basically, in the video, they um, they announced their plans for uh, E3, which include the return of the Nintendo World Championships, which are like a, a tournament, I guess, uh, for, that originally took place in 1990. And so it's coming back at, after 25 years. We still don't know the rules or the location or basically anything about the Nintendo World Championships 2015 but it's a it's a it is exciting it's a, a piece of you know Nintendo history that is coming back and I, I I'm intrigued uh, as for as for the other stuff unsurprisingly Nintendo is doing a digital event instead of a press conference so they're they're doing the usual E3 direct on YouTube and Twitch um they're gonna have an expanded treehouse, which is interesting because I, I always found that, especially the E3 one, to be a very interesting to see, you know, interviews, people playing video games, kind of discuss more about the announcements. There's going to be, I think, um, like you can try stuff at Best Buy or something else. Yeah, I think it's Mario Maker. 
Mario Maker somewhere in the US. So not definitely not the kind of stuff that we can we can do, Mike, unless you plan on going to E3. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you should go to E3, Mike. Maybe you I always should go, go to E3. You always go to America these yeah, maybe, days. Yeah, maybe I should go to E3. That's a good idea. Hmm. Um, did you see there was a quote from Miyamoto uh, where he was like, no NX, no Dina yeah. Yeah. at E3? Yeah, yeah their reasoning is that uh, for 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 mobile games, E3 is more the place for consoles, so it's not a place for you know mobile announcements, which I think is an excuse because maybe they're just not ready yet. I mean, if you have a game, you have a game. There's no really, there's no difference with all these companies these days announcing mobile games. Why would you say E3 is for consoles? I think they're just not ready. They also said that the the unified platform, like, uh, platform like the online service that will uh, let Nintendo games communicate on the Wii U, on the 3DS, on on mobile devices, and the future NX will launch later this year, and it'll it, it will include a new Nintendo, uh, like a club, a new club Nintendo, basically, to collect points and and you know gain rewards. So that's good news, I guess. Um, but yes, he will be focused on Wii U and 3DS. No quality so, uh, of life announcements either. Yeah, which is too bad because he wasn't he supposed to to launch this year. I don't know. Uh, by the way, it was uh, Iwata, not Miyamoto. I misspoke. Mm-hmm. I think you're the only person that wants to hear anything about quality of life. Me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's the you know, I, I, I always leave. Uh, a balance between weirdness and interesting stuff. Uh-huh. So the, the quality of life strikes exactly this balance. It sounds weird enough and interesting enough to tickle my, my senses. So I, I want to see Nintendo doing health devices. I don't know. I just feel like there's potential for being something else you know and something else is always welcome unless it's stupid in that case it's just stupid it's not welcome but i don't think nintendo is stupid well they are stupid in many instances but not with you know usually not with the with the major announcements so we'll see we'll see i don't know i feel like nintendo has enough of a of a of a problem these days in, in you know approaching new markets and new people that they are desperate maybe to try new stuff and they don't want to blow it so i'm i'm curious for the quality of life anyway yes they're gonna focus on video and 3ds which as we said last week it's interesting because we, we need games so i'm hoping that there will be announcements for games that are not coming out next year because it's a trend recently every game is being delayed and i'm hoping that they will have games for the for the holiday season at least you know yeah well i don't know man <laughs> i think if there's going to be any games they ain't coming from nintendo <laughs> i don't know what they've got they uh, can't just have mario maker yeah but if something's coming out this holiday season mm-hmm. like you probably will have wanted to have spoken about that before now mm, i don't know maybe they wanted to have a surprise uh, are you just gonna leave the holiday season with mario maker and well I don't think that that was the intention 
but <laughs> just happened <laughs> that's where they are like <laughs> that's not a good business plan <laughs> i think the intention was to have zelda and Star Fox, but uh-huh. they don't have any of it well they haven't said anything about Star Fox yet but that's just i don't know man i don't know i just can't see a single game on the wii u and a bunch of minor releases on the 3ds i don't know i don't know i don't know Maybe they'll just focus on the on the mobile games this holiday season. So we'll all be playing uh, Temple Mario or Candy Crush Pikachu this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what what type of games do you think they're gonna make? What for the the mobile for, stuff? Yeah. <sighs> because there's so much choice, right, when it comes to characters. But when it comes to mobile games, it seems that most companies tend to do the same game types over and over. So there's the uh, the Endless Runner, there's the the puzzle game, there's the Farmville-like game that you need to do stuff, do stuff and wait. You know, always the same mechanics. So I wonder: is Nintendo gonna gonna bet on the characters, or they gonna bet on innovation in mobile? Is that even possible for them to do? I don't know. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Nintendo like doing, you know, Candy Crush or that kind of like Real Racing Three. But instead of instead of real cars, you gotta fix cards from Mario Kart. You know. I don't. I. I can't think what it's gonna be because I'm trying to believe that they're going to make good games, and not like just free to play nightmarish things um i I really hope that they're gonna make good games and look the end of the day right a mario endless runner could be amazing maybe like a side-scrolling mario endless runner could be just perfect right that could be a great game if they do it right but i really hope that they actually make a mix of casual and more in-depth games but we'll see do you think do you think Nintendo is going to use test flight to distribute betas of their games? Well, sure. <laughs> Should we get on Nintendo's test flight? I would very much like to do that. <laughs> Apply for an invitation. Yep. <laughs> Become a Nintendo beta tester. It's always been my dream. Oh man, can you imagine having a Mario beta on your phone? <laughs> I'm just thinking about the the potential here. I would very much like it. I don't know if they would consider us. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't consider anyone, I think. Except for the big sites. It's so weird to think about Nintendo doing stuff on the App Store, right? It's it's I still I'm still struggling to to like should I should I believe in Nintendo doing a good smartphone game when they have no control basically over the hardware? They just gonna rely on multi-touch, and sh- should I believe that Nintendo is gonna do good stuff when it comes to freemium models on the App Store instead of being just like everybody else? And so it's difficult and different. And I like I, this is one of the the things that I'm most curious about this year: Nintendo Nintendo's debut on, on the App Store, and I assume on the Google on the Google Play Store. It it is one of the major changes this year yeah so we'll see i don't know moving on and speaking of the app store uh, so i i I, I've be, I downloaded this game mike it's 
It's called Lifeline, right. and um, so it's a it's a text adventure game, uh, and it's based on a on a like on a messaging interface. You you exchange texts with a with an astronaut. Uh, I don't know. It basically the game is uh, it plays out in real time. And you talk to this person, there's no, they don't give you a name, they don't give you a gender, it's just some person on an alien planet, and he he or she is scared, uh, doesn't know what to do, and you gotta uh, listen, give instructions, and provide directions, and it, it it is a strange game, so let me give you a bit of a background. I've never played uh, text adventure games before. I know that a lot of our listeners uh, grew up playing these types of uh, of, of adventure games on PCs um, many many years ago, and I've never been uh, one of that one of those guys who play um, like physical uh, role playing games. Like you sit down at a, at a table with a bunch of friends with a with a book and you you craft your own adventure. Have you ever f- participated in one of those kind of games? I've played well, not games, but I've done like the text adventure books. Yeah, books. Yeah, I used to have Mario ones when I was a kid. But with other people? Uh, no, it was just with me. So there used to be well, when I was younger, a bunch of friends would play this this uh, kind of role-playing game with a book and there was like a map so they they sat down at at a table so like four or five people and they they lay down this paper map and each person is assigned a little figurine and then there's like the i think that the name is uh, the master uh reads the book and so you throw uh, a dice you roll a dice, and depending on what you choose to do, uh, the book gives you different instructions. And so you, and this is all like fantasy. So the master reads that you're going into a dungeon, and you're, you know, and you choose what to do. And maybe the book says that there's a monster, and you need to fight the monster. Uh, I don't remember the name of this book slash game. It was something like Alice or. Ailis, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, and and I found that to be incredibly boring when, when I was a teenager. Um, so I've never been a huge uh, text adventure, either on computers or you know real life. But this game, Lifeline, is interesting. It works on the iPhone, works on the Apple Watch, and it gives you notifications because it plays out in real time. For example, if you tell the character in the game to go down a specific route and to find, I don't know, the crash site for their their spaceship, and if the character says it's going to take me a few hours, it'll take him a few hours and you'll need to wait and then you will receive a notification on your, on your phone, which is actually an actionable notification, so you can swipe to reveal actions and to respond to the game from the notification, which I find super interesting to kind of use a notification as a game mechanic, as a game input method. Super new, at least for me, on iOS and interesting. There's also an Apple Watch app. You can install the game and it 
carries out the same conversation that you that you have on the phone so as the story unfolds as you give commands as you form a relationship with this character and you learn more about the history and, and this planet uh, you can scroll the same conversation on the apple watch you can get notifications on the apple watch and again novel concept at least for me pretty sweet implementation on ios i think especially taking advantage of actionable notifications uh i think it's three dollars on the app store it's doing pretty well in the in the top charts so i don't know if you played it mike but it gets my my seal of quality no i haven't played it um just because these games aren't massively uh appealing to me really but i was interested to hear what you thought because i've seen a lot of people talking about it um and I, and I'm more intrigued to try it out now, considering you like it so much. But I don't. I I'm just not like really turned on by like just text games. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll give it a go now. Like you seem to to like it enough that it might be worth it. And I, I do like the idea of a game like this in the Apple Watch. It kind of feels like it makes sense because it's yeah. just simple interaction. Yeah, it's um, text, and you, and you don't even have to type your own response. You can choose different paths, which are which are represented as different uh, options that you need to type to tap. So you don't need to uh, write down a command. You just need to tap and choose. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the last uh, topic that I wanted to 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 discuss really quickly with you, Mike. We both played the Mario Kart 8 DLC, the second one, this week. And oh. I, wanted to, I wanted to hear your impressions. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? So, <laughs> this, uh, okay, so we'll, we can talk about the new tracks in a bit, but I want to talk about 200cc. Okay, tell me. It's happened? like a different game. Yes, it's super fast. Like, I feel that everything I know about how to play Mario Kart <laughs> is, is wrong. It's yes. like, oh, you want to drift around this corner? No chance. You're going to go yeah. straight into the wall. And it's like, I yeah. don't know how to play anymore. <laughs> like, I just can't work it out. Like, do I break? I've never, ever pressed the brake in Mario Kart before. But then yeah. if I break, like, it seems to just bring the cart to a complete stop, like, immediately. Yes, it's a super, super effective brake. I don't know how to play this game anymore. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm... Massively frustrated by it, but I keep playing it because it, you know, I want to get good at it again. And then I played like 50 and 100 CC, and it's like, I can play this, this is great, but I don't really know what to do with 200. And I've looked online to try and find like suggestions, you know, and it seems mm-hmm. like everybody's just like, oh, I don't know what to do. So there's not, there's not a lot of suggestions online <laughs> about how, how to yeah. do this. Yeah, it's it's a it looks like a it feels like a different game, and it's this mode is basically impossible to play with friends unless you have very expert friends on online. Uh, but yep. in real life, this is like impossible to play with people who don't have a Nintendo Wii U. You know, because I try to play uh, Mario Kart with friends uh, who come to my place. You know, we we have a beer, we play Mario Kart, and it's it's super fun. But I've always found that to be slightly difficult to explain even at uh, you know 50 cc or 100 cc 
it's it's kind of difficult to explain people so you need to drift you need to use this item in this way then you can throw items forward and backwards and there's a bunch of rules that you need to explain right and this is also the case with super smash brothers even more so because there's so much stuff that you need to learn in super smash but even in mario kart there's a there's a lot of stuff to tell people if they don't want to you know uh if they want to be at least in the top five when it, when it, when a track is is over so what two 200 cc's basically it's impossible with friends who don't own the game and just want to play casually uh it is a different game it's it's impressive from a from a technical perspective like it it like it really shows off the the speed and in the the beauty of the engine of the graphics and and the controls but yes it, it requires a level of skill uh, that I don't think uh, you and I have. At least not yet, Mike. At least not yet. There's still hope. Maybe maybe one day. Because it seems like Nintendo will keep expanding and bringing more stuff to Mario Kart 8. So we'll be playing this game for a while, I think. What do you think of the new of the new uh, cups and, and, and the new tracks? Uh, I like the tracks a lot. The The... Is it called Toy Box or something or Ribbon Road? Ribbon like, Road, yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, it looks lot. like the, the Toy Story bedroom. It does. I think that's the clear, <laughs> the clear like inspiration. But that's that's one of my favorite tracks. Uh, actually, just my favorite tracks now. I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful and it's yeah. really nice to play on. Yeah. Um, I like that one a lot. Uh. I feel like with the 200cc, what I'm trying to do is to change the configuration of racer and like cart and wheels and stuff, but it still doesn't seem to make any difference. I can't work I, out what to do. I always, I, I, I don't know if changing the configuration makes a big impact on me because I tend to switch between different carts. I never do the uh, bikes or uh, the carts the with the big wheels. That they look like trucks, you know. Mm. I always do like regular, regular tr- uh, carts. No, I so... play on the bikes. I play as Link oh, with Link's really? bike. Yeah, I, oh, no, I, no. I have since I got the game. I like playing wow. as Link with the bike. Link with the bike, cool. No, I always use the dasher uh, with the with the sleek wheels and one of the the parachutes. I don't care which one. Um, and this week I've been playing as the villager. Which I don't know what's the point in choosing different characters, you know, besides maybe weight of the of the characters. Yeah, I mean that is a big thing, right? And uh, and my thought was maybe grip, handling, and weight might help with two hundred cc. But the only thing that I found that kind of helps is just like when it comes up to a sharp turn to to just take my finger off the accelerator. Yeah, that's bit. what I do. I don't break. I take my finger off. Uh, it's boring though I it's like, kind of boring. It's I like kind of, skidding around the corners feels, feels like cheating maybe. yeah like that's what I like to do I like to line up the corner just right and, and like power slide around the corner like I'm finding myself like finishing many races in like ninth yeah you know I, I have one I've won a cup right on my my, my best my best oh, yeah. set of tracks because mm-hmm. I can't remember what cup it is now but my favourite cup is like the one where you're going downhill on the mountain and it's like the winter olympics yes yes that's my favorite track in the whole game Hmm. i love that track because it's just one long track like it's not it's not laps i really like it. it's very varied uh, the deep blue i think it's called the new one it's also the same concept 
I thought it was, but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, yeah. it's the same concept. You go down the just one single yeah. uh, road. Yeah. I like those. I like those. But yeah, that, that one is, is my, my best set of tracks. I think that one starts off with the one where you're in like a town. I can't remember the names. It's terrible. Um, and you're like driving around just on like roads in a town. Uh, like by the by the by the sea. Yeah, yeah. It's from Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, yeah, I thought I it was Super Mario. Don't Sunshine. remember. Could it be? I don't know the English name because this is one of the few games that I played in Italian. In Italian, the town was called Delfinia, which is something like Dolphin Town or whatever. Yeah, I think that's what the town was called, but I don't think that's what the track is called. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, the, I I do like the new the new tracks as well, especially the Toy Story one as I as I call it. It's full of full of references. I do like Nintendo when they 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 uh, put in these little details and which are also kind of distraction when you're when you're driving, which could be a problem. Uh, you know, looking at the environment and the details instead of looking at uh, what what you're actually doing. Uh, but I, overall, I like how Nintendo is keeping on bringing content to Mario Kart Eight. Uh, it's a clever strategy that I wish they did for more games. Although you could argue that Mario Kart 8 uh, is a is a better game to expand because it's got this structure of characters, uh, tracks, caps, modes, and it's easy to expand. Not so easy to expand something like Mario 3D World or a Zelda game, maybe. So it makes sense. And Super Smash, of course. Mm-hmm. I want to get better at 200cc. I so, want to uh, as well, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> we, we should play together. Yeah, more more, more often. Mike. Just cry. <laughs> yes. we should play against uh, Steve and and Brianna, and they're yeah. gonna destroy us. I want to <laughs> make that happen. The only problem with that is there isn't an easy way to sh- to stream. Yeah, because we want people to 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 watch. Yep. But yeah, I think I, I think Bri might have a solution. We need to talk about that again. We gotta ask. You know, we gotta ask on on Twitter to Nintendan. Uh, the guy who's always making videos for the 3DS and Wii U, he must know a way to easily stream and record the video off a of Wii U. There's a box you can buy. See? It's my understanding. And I, and I think Bree has access to one of those. Let's buy the box. <laughs> you buy the box. <laughs> well, okay, I buy the box and I'm going to stream my Wii U to the entire world with the box. Yeah, it's like one of those things that's been in the back of my brain forever is to do Twitch streaming. Like, it's something that I really want to do, but it's just, we've just never really done much of it. Just do, like Twitch podcasting should be a thing with sponsor breaks in the in the Twitch stream. I bet that you know? already happens. No, but, but we could we could do it better. Of course. They don't have Mike Hurley, so. <laughs> <laughs> we have the original. Oh, dear. <laughs> do you have anything else? No, no, that's all for, for this week's show. Awesome. If you want to catch the show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash virtual slash 38. My name is Mike Hurley, and my co-host is Mr. Federico Vitici. You can find us online. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes over at thefabulousmaxstories.net. Thanks to our sponsor this week, our good friends over at Harry's, and thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. <laughs>